Hello to all my Facebook friends. Bill Allen here at 3.15 p.m. Sorry I'm running a few minutes late today. Some days are like that, as you well know. Uh, hopefully you got that little message uh, posted earlier that this one's going to start, but it's going to start a little bit later. And uh, so I hope that you are able to join in, and I hope that uh, we have a few that will hang in there with me. Um, it's like the um, wonderful philosopher, theologian, um, scholar, Michael Jackson uh, sang when he was a boy, I'll be there. Okay, so that's enough of that, and I'll be here. In fact, I am here, and hopefully you are too, whether you're watching it live, whether you're watching it at the um, live time at 3.15, or if you're catching it a little bit later, on our West Irwin Church of Christ page or our westerwin.com app where our uh, live stuff is and where our video archive is under social media and resources live streaming page. So I hope that you're able to do that. So great to see my cousin Gail joining in. Great to see my friends Cindy and Eric Mosley. Sorry about the Michael Jackson invitation there. Yeah, I know. I know. You're thinking, well, Bill, no, I don't think so. Nice try, though. Um, but at any rate, we are continuing in Colossians. And the last few weeks, we've been looking at this passage that is in Colossians chapter 3 that starts out with uh, certain family things. And, um, uh, and it looks at husbands and wives, looks at parents and children. And then I believe the application for us in the next passage that starts in Colossians 3 verse 22 uh, is talking to us about what happens when we're on the job and as our career as employees, as employers, as managers, as supervisors, as workers, business owners, uh, whatever it might be. And so hello to my dear friend and sister Jessica Taylor as well. Great to see you signing on. Uh, love and miss you and uh, looking forward to sharing these lessons uh, this week from Colossians 3 verse 22 to 4 chapter 4 verse 1 and bringing in some other aspects about this because I do believe that um, there is teaching in scripture about our lives on the job and uh, we've been talking in this passage of scripture from Colossians chapter 3 starting in verse 1 as I have been saying uh, with setting our hearts and our minds on things above, on things that are eternal, on the things uh, that are of God, the spiritual things, and continuing on down that list, and that's when we got into the, the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts. Here's how you should live. Why? Because that's what Scripture is meant to do. It's to tell us Christians how we should live because we have been able to find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so really, a lot of the teaching of Scripture in the New Testament is the what now answer. Uh, how are we supposed to live now that Jesus has come and lived and died on the cross for our sins and been raised from the dead and the tomb is empty, as a lot of the world will celebrate this weekend, which we're very thankful for. And uh, and, and so what, what does that mean for the Christian? What does that mean in our lives? And I think it means something uh, in all aspects of our lives. Uh, it means to set our minds and our hearts on things above. And it means what it says there in chapter 3, verse 17 of Colossians, that everything we say and everything we do is to be done in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
and is to be done to the glory of God the Father with gratefulness and thanksgiving in our hearts. Um, and I think that, that that means how we act on the job, too. Whatever our position is, whatever our role is, whatever our career is, whatever we're doing at the moment, I, I believe that, that we should do that in a way that brings honor and glory uh, to God. Whether that means, Bill, when you were a boy and you were mowing yards for $3 a yard front and back, uh, actually, it started at $2. I thought I was really in the money when I upped it to 3 Or that first job I got at Jack in the Box uh, for $1.40 an hour. Or the job I got just a few weeks after that that I'd been waiting almost a year for at the uh, uh, Lackland Air Force Base Commissary as a bag boy, a carryout personnel, rather, uh, working for tips only. And, and, um, and all the way through all the years, even to now, uh, working as a, a preaching minister for the wonderful West Irwin Church of Christ here in Tyler, Texas. But I want you to know that Scripture talks to me and informs me about my job in every aspect of those jobs, in all of those jobs, uh, not just as a full-time minister in the church. Um, and I think we miss the point, and I think we preachers are just as bad as anyone else when we fail to see and remind each other that uh, a part of my calling in this world is how I live and act and work in my job every day, whatever that job is. It may not be directly related to church work at all. And, um, and I think it's those times and those opportunities where we might especially have an opportunity to put in a good word for Jesus, uh, as Milton Jones would say, the author of this book on Colossians, Christ no more, no less, um, a great evangelist from uh, the Washington State, Seattle area. Uh, but it, it calls on us to be willing to do that and able to do that with our words as well as with our lives. And I think that we do that in a way that uh, is seen in how we do our job. So as it relates to your job, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, how does that fit in to not just your life plan, but to the purposes of God? Because I believe whatever we're doing, whatever it might be, um, it should be done to God's glory, and it should be done to serve others and to demonstrate the love of Christ uh, to all of those around us. Uh, Francis of Assisi said, It is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. Granted, there is a great need for more full-time ministers, missionaries, and ministry families. That's certainly true. And I encourage anyone who feels like they might have a calling to be further involved in the work of the church by perhaps even being supported by the church, either part-time or full-time. If you want to ask me about that, I would love to talk to you about that. And I pray that the Lord will lead more and more and more into, into those uh, areas. It's been a wonderful life uh, for me and for Joyce and for our girls and for our family. Uh, now for going on 43 years, it'll be 43 years in August. And I think that um, I can honestly say that it hasn't all been glory and greatness. I think there were times when everyone wondered, is this worth it or not? What are we doing here? And that's probably true of every career, quote unquote, plan. 
And it's certainly true of ministers. Jeremiah himself in Jeremiah 20 said, that's it, I'm done. I am tired of people uh, getting on to me simply because of the message that I'm preaching. So I'll just quit. I won't, I won't preach that message anymore. And my life will be so much better. And he said, I just couldn't do it because his word was in my heart and in my gut like a fire burning inside my bones. And I was wearing myself out trying to hold it in and I just couldn't do it. Well, I, I think that's kind of where I've been my entire life. And, and if that's where you are, then I think that's wonderful. And I hope that you'll do that. But in this lesson, I want to especially talk to the rest of us. I want to especially talk uh, to those that are not just in ministry full-time or part-time, but who have a career, who have a job that they do that may be completely unrelated to the life and ministry of the church. And so again, I ask you, why do you do that? Why, why are you in that? And what's your purpose each day as you go to work? Uh, what's your purpose as you think and pray about what you should do for a living? And as you ask God, how does this fit, not just into your life's plan, but as you ask God, Lord, how does what I do for a living, how does that fit into your plan? Not just for me, not just for my family, but for your world and for your mission and your purpose. I think that's the questions that everyone should be asking um, and so again, we're not, our churches and churches of Christ and in the restoration, the American restoration movement, all the way back to the 18th and 19th centuries, and even some before that, our predecessors, uh, there has been this understanding that, uh, there is no clergy laity difference. Uh, there are different roles that people have, and some people in their role are, are financially supported by the church. That's true. But there's no special um, area of, of uh, importance for uh, those who are employed by the church, full-time or part-time, those who are financially supported by the church. We're all called to live our lives to the glory of God. And again, we have different roles, and I think it's good for us to be respectful and to, and to show encouragement and support uh, for those who are uh, uh, financially supported by the church in their roles, in their in their work, even in their careers like I am. What a great blessing I have preaching for the West Irwin Church of Christ here in Tyler. I tell you, I, uh, our, our members, I just love them so much and I love our shepherds so much and I love my fellow ministers so much and our staff because um, they, they want me to uh, do biblical, effective, relevant preaching. And that's what I love to do, and I always have. And, and that's such a great encouragement to me. And so I hope whatever church you're in, that you will be especially supportive and prayerful and encouraging uh, to your ministers and to the people who work uh, in a, in a uh, financially supported role uh, for the church and for its life and ministry and work and service. And I think that's important and, and deserves respect and encouragement and prayer. But again, that's not the only ones who are serving the Lord in their job. You're serving the Lord in your job. You sure better be. And if you're not, then you've sectioned off, you've compartmentalized, <laughs> that's a good term, uh, a portion of your life, a large portion of your life that you think uh, Scripture doesn't speak to, and that is just not true. It's not true. Um, it's not true. 
we each have different gifts and roles and tasks in the body of Christ. That's certainly true. I spoke a little bit about that from Romans 12 this past Sunday and mentioned 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and other places. But again, it's it's not it's not just um, financially supported ministers of the church that are called upon to serve the Lord in their in their job, in their career, in their work. We are all called to live faithfully 24-7, 365, as our kids say. There's, there's never a moment, there's never a time in our lives when we can look at the Bible and we can say, well, that doesn't apply to this part of my life. And you say, well, Bill, I would never say that. Well, maybe you would never say that out loud. But do you practice it in your life? Are there portions of your life that you've kind of sectioned off and said, you know, I, I'm not going to worry about actively being faithful to God and to Scripture and to the Christian way and, and to the way of the cross and to the life of Christ. I'm not going to worry about that in this portion of my life. Well, you know, when you say it out loud like that, you realize that there's nothing to that. That is far from true. But I think sometimes we do, whether it's with our family, uh, our extended family that may not be uh, a part of our church family or in our uh, recreational times um, or in our jobs, that we look at that and we say, well, you know, I don't think that the, I think what we're saying when we do that is we're saying that really scripture and the biblical principles and commandments really only apply when I'm at church. And again, you say, Bill, that I would never say that out loud. I know. But do we practice that sometimes? Do we think that God gives us a walk, as it were, a free pass, a get out of serving me faithfully free card because we're not in church? Well, there's nothing in Scripture that would support that. And there's everything in Scripture uh, that says that is just not true. I've known many people throughout my life who have served the Lord faithfully in their jobs and in their careers in ways that actually, quite frankly, honestly, as a full-time minister, a preacher, I couldn't do. And that's a great, uh, a great blessing and a great tribute to them and to their lives uh, because God is giving them opportunities and opening doors for them to serve in the lives of people that, that I don't have, quite frankly. And, I, and there's purpose behind that. And that's one of the key terms in these lessons today and Thursday, purpose. I hope that you see in your job and in your career, whatever it is, that there's purpose behind it and not just purpose in your life and not just purpose in, in, in providing yourself an income, but purpose in fulfilling the work and will of God uh, in your life, but in those who surround your life. Um, how does the fact that you've given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord, how does that affect what you think of your job and career? Well, just like every other aspect of our lives, it should impact it greatly. And this relates again to our purpose. So the question again, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. In verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. And yes, in the first century world, in the Roman Empire, uh, even in the church, uh, slavery was a uh, present uh, reality. 
And so because of that, Scripture speaks to it. Well, I hope that as we read these words, we don't get lost in that slavery discussion, although I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but that we hear these words talking to us in our everyday work world. And I hope that you can make that application. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Colossians 3, verse 23, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Well, I want us to take a look at a couple of other passages of Scripture that uh, speak to some of these issues. And the first one is in Ephesians, just a couple of books back. In Ephesians chapter 6, a very similar passage. Again, Paul is writing from jail himself. He's writing the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, and the short one-chapter book of, of uh, Philemon that we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, but here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 5. Ephesians 6, verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, Ephesians 6, verse 7, as if you were serving the Lord, not people because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave or free. And masters, verse 9 of Ephesians 6, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Wow, these are great, great passages. And now skip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter addresses the same subject. As he speaks to people uh, in, uh, uh, in what we might call modern-day Turkey and mostly the northern, northwestern part, north-central part, in the area of the Galatians and some other areas where they had, they, they were exiles. They had left their homeland in Palestine because of of persecution and now they were here on the bottom of the social scale and some of them were slaves and so peter addresses that in first peter chapter 2 uh, beginning at verse 18 and it's interesting here because the example he gives uh, especially as it concerns people who are not treated justly in their work a day world he brings in the example of jesus christ 1 Peter 2, verse 18, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. 
To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Verse 22, committing, uh, uh, quoting from the Old Testament, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. That great chapter in Isaiah 53. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, 1 Peter 2, verse 23, instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Again, quoting from Isaiah, for you were like sheep going astray, for now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Well, what do we make of that? As we go back to our passage in Colossians chapter three to the first verse of chapter four. Um, well, again, let's let's start with a word about slavery, okay? Because I, I think we need to say that. In fact, let me give you several words. Wrong, degrading, dehumanizing. And how about this one? Sinful. I believe it is a sin to own a slave. I believe it's a sin to own a human being. That is so wrong. That is contrary to everything uh, that Jesus Christ stood for and did. That's contrasted with everything that you read about in the pages of the New Testament. Um, and, and I don't think that we can look at these passages like this one in Colossians 3 or the others that we read uh, today. I don't think we can look at those passages and say, see there, the Bible justifies slavery. It does no such thing. Well, it could have come out and condemned it and said you should fight to end it. It could have. It could have, but it didn't. Why is that, Bill? Well, I'm not sure I know completely the answer to that. In, in a lot of ways, I kind of wish it would have. I really wish it would have. But it didn't. Why is that? Because God's main purpose in giving us Scripture was not to overturn social institutions, but rather it was to reveal salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's amazing as you read through the pages of the New Testament, and in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking in our Romans series from Romans chapter 13, and that great passage that calls on individual citizens in the first century Roman Empire who were Christians to be respectful and submissive to their governing authorities, even though these same governing civil authorities were trying to kill them. Still, Scripture says, look, we're not about overturning social institutions specifically. We want evil things and sinful things to be changed. Absolutely. But the Scripture's first priority is to help people see and learn and know Jesus Christ. And so what is, how does Scripture approach that? Well, in the area of slavery, what it does is it tells slaves Slaves who were Christians, who were free in Christ, and yet, according to the civil standard, they were literally owned by someone else. They were a slave, just like Joseph was a slave after his brothers sold him uh, to travelers who sold him to a, an Egyptian official by the name of Potiphar. Uh, we understand how unfathomably wrong that is. And yet at the same time, what does scripture tell slaves? It tells them to be faithful to God first. And if you're going to be faithful to God, then that means you're going to be faithful 
uh, to that person who in the eyes of this world owns you. It's an amazing statement. And, and one of the amazing things about this is that scripture also speaks to masters. And it speaks to them and it reminds them that they have a master in heaven and that they are Lord and their overseer and their master is Jesus Christ. Same one as these slaves that they might have. So no scripture doesn't tell them to set them free. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But what does it do? It tells them to treat them honorably and respectfully in a way that is revolutionary by first century Roman Empire standards. Uh, read that one chapter book of Philemon if you want more information about this and scripture's approach to it because Philemon was a Christian, a leader in the church at Colossae and was a slave owner. And one of his slaves, Onesimus, had escaped. And Paul had found him in his travels and had taught him and had baptized him. And what Paul told Onesimus to do is to go back to your master Philemon. But now, as Paul writes to him, Paul writes to Philemon and says, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, but not as a slave. I'm sending him back as a brother. And I'm not telling you what to do, Philemon, but I know you're going to do the right thing. <laughs> it's just amazing how Paul approaches that. And I think it tells us a lot. I, I realize our country has a horrible, horrible history, uh, part of our history that includes um, uh, individual American citizens owning others as slaves. And that was wrong then. It's wrong now. It's always wrong to think you can own a human being, a fellow human being, someone created in the image of God by the same God that created you. Uh, such a horrible travesty of just, justice and tragic. But what scripture teaches here is it's addressing individuals as to how they should live their lives day in and day out. And so with all of that said, I hope that you'll permit me to use this passage of scripture and this teaching to talk to us as employees and employers, as managers, as uh, uh, workers, as business owners, as people who work for somebody else, um, and hear the words that this scripture passage gives us. Uh, scripture talks a lot about uh, this very difficult situation, but what does it say? Well, it continually reminds those who are slaves, those, let's say, who are employees, to work, not as if they're working for their boss, but to work as if they're working for the Lord. Um, obey in everything and do it, it says, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence, not for your boss, but for the Lord. Whatever you do, verse 23, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That should be the attitude of every single one of us as a Christian. Whatever we do, whatever the job is, whatever the task is, we should do it wholeheartedly as if we're doing it for the Lord because we are. We are. We, sometimes we can't see past our immediate supervisor or the big boss or whoever it might be. But what scripture assures us is that God does see and God does know. 
um, you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Again, that reminder, not your boss, not your supervisor, not the owner, but the Lord. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Remember what we read from 1 Peter 2, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that's why he was willing to be treated unfairly at times, even taken advantage of, betrayed, uh, unjustly accused and convicted and killed. How could he do that? How could he be on that cross and be so at peace, even though he was certainly uh, in physical and emotional pain as he cries out. But he also shares, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I think that that's a sign of someone who says, you know, God sees everything that's going on and he'll make it right. He may not, I may not see it ever, but ultimately God will make it right. And that's what scripture tells us. As we're working for someone else, in reality, we're serving the Lord. And then in chapter four, verse one to masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. If we're talking to supervisors, managers, bosses, those who are in some position of authority, this is the word to them. Look, remember, you have somebody that's in authority over you. Even if you own the business and you're the guy or you're the gal, you just remember that you too have a boss. You too have a master in heaven and everything you say and everything you do should be done to glorify him and not just to bring glory to yourself like the world says it should be done. We're called upon to live faithfully to the Lord in everything we say and in everything we do 24-7 and that includes on the job. Now, why is that, Bill? Why is there so much in here? about how we should live in our day in, day out world. Well, I think it's because that matters to God and there are several things that are involved here and we'll get more into them on Thursday and I hope you'll join me again for our Facebook lesson on Thursday afternoon. But why is that so important? Well, because we need to provide for our family and for ourselves. And we also need to have something that we can share with others. I believe that God gives, puts people in um, income producing roles so that they can use their income to support themselves and their loved ones, but also to support others. Scripture says that constantly. Old Testament, New Testament, even at the very beginning of the church, uh, the very start in Acts chapter 2, members came and gave of their means, even sold property so that they could help some of the others uh, who were struggling. We've seen that over and over again in these past 15 months here in our community in Tyler and in our West Irwin Church of Christ, as people have come to the aid of others again and again and again. And that's part of the reason why God has blessed you with material things. That's part of the reason why God has given you the job that you have so that you can provide for yourself and so that you can be ready and willing and able to help others when they're in need. We'll look at this passage of scripture in 1 Timothy 6 on Thursday. But in those verses, verses 17 through 19 in 1 Timothy 6, it says, don't tell those who are rich in this present world uh, to not put their hope and their trust in their wealth. 
but rather to put their trust in their God and to be willing to share with others in need and to be generous because that's how you know. That's how you know that your trust is in the Lord and not in your material wealth, not in your job, not in your savings account, not in anything else. It's good for us to be smart about all those things. That's certainly true. But what scripture says is beyond all those things, our trust is ultimately in our God. And so just like everything else in our lives, we use those things to glorify him. And that's one of the reasons why he has given us those things so that we can share and help out with others in their need. Thursday, we're going to look specifically at our work and our purpose, not just our purpose in our own lives and the career plan that we have chosen to provide for our income for the rest of our lives and those that we love. But we'll ask about purpose. What's, what is God's purpose for you in your job? What is God's purpose for you as an employee, as a worker? What is God's purpose for you as a boss, as a manager, as an owner, business owner? I believe that how you live on the job and how you act on the job is what these scriptures are calling us uh, to consider. And so I look forward to Thursday where we talk not just about your purpose in your job, but how your job is reflective and is a part of God's purpose for you in your life. I'll see you on Thursday.